Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. WMR.FM. It is October the 5th, 2023. Um, first week of October, first week of the last quarter of the, of the year and my 55th birthday. Happy birthday, Jill. Thank you, we Christine. Would, we I'm 115 today. 115? Fully 115. I, I actually do know what that means. <laughs> it took me okay. a second. It, it is, it's, it's infinitely better than saying 55, because if 55 sounds old to much of the listening audience, it's because to much of the, the listening audience, 55 is old. And that's cool. That's totally cool. It's the, the neat thing about the industry is, you know, it is it's absolutely old. There's a lot of people who are in the industry now who are in their 20s. Um, and they listen to the show because it's a place to get, you know, a person of SEO information and, you know, uh, uh, hear talk about how the web works. Um, just 55 isn't old, of course not, because, you know, we're there now. But the cool thing is the, um, how, how long the industry has gone. Google celebrated its 25th birthday about two weeks ago. And, uh, that 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 sort of gave me pause thinking um you know i was fully 30 years old when google was um introduced to the to the to the to the general public i remember when i first heard about google i was working um as a community economic development uh, officer in uh, victoria british columbia um and that was really, and and and, and, and you know, Google was so infinitely better than uh, than uh, uh, Alta Vista or um, Lycos or the search engines of the day. Um, little did I know it at the time. Within a year, I was actually going to become uh get get involved in search engine optimization. But in 1998, um, Google was a radical leap forward. Um, that's how long we've all been doing this sort of thing. That's well, tremendous. I'm an SEO since the 2000s. <laughs> well, indeed, but it, yeah. it's just that, you know, people like Bruce Clay, yeah. Danny Sullivan, um, uh, 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 Ross Dunn, um, all of the original originals, Todd Friesen, um, Greg Bozer, um the very first generations of of people working in search and there's there's a whole host i could i, I could name who who um whose names are, are escaping me being 55 is you know does have its drawbacks <laughs> um <laughs> but uh jessica bowman was there in the earliest earliest days uh uh uh, uh strickiola um, i can't remember her first name of the completely brilliant person. Um, Jesse Strachiola, uh, first person to be writing about click fraud and stuff. It, 
birthdays, especially my milestone birthdays, are a great time for reflection. It's been a uh, extraordinary career in, in this, this neat industry. You know, 15 years ago today, I had lunch with uh, with with Brandy Shapiro Babin and told them they were going to hire me at Webmaster Radio. And uh, you know, nine months later, I moved to Fort Lauderdale. 15 years? You have to been doing this before 15 years. Oh, no, 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 no. I was I had the show before then. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. We were just entering a uh, recession 15 years ago. It was just around 2000, 2008 or so. Um, and uh, I was languishing in Victoria. You know, I, it was it was a velvet rut. I'd been there for a very, very, very long time. And I needed change. So I, you know, took a nuclear bomb to my world and moved to Fort Lauderdale. That was my midlife crisis. Uh-huh. <laughs> and by the way, for people who, who are in their 20s in the industry, when you do have your midlife crisis, and, and you will probably, you know, younger than, than, than I did, don't move to Fort Lauderdale. But buy a sports car instead. Infinitely better idea. <laughs> Trust and cheaper. Trust me on this one. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Jim. Thank you so much. It You're is welcome. a momentous week. Like, there's so much happened this week. Yes, and a lot. Sadly, a lot of it isn't, um, you know, terribly happy or terribly fun to report on. So let's just plow through the, the, the not so fun stuff and then we get to the Google stuff, which is infinitely more fun. Um, so, we're going to start with Twitter. Twitter, um, of course. <laughs> users, uh, Twitter users or uh, Twixter users or X users, um, those who are left might notice um, it looks fairly different or is looking different. Twitter's removing headlines and removing um, information that will give the user um, or data that will give the user information about where they're going, like, you know, URLs. Um, you can't you can't see where the... Um, URLs all, when you sorry? sorry it's on all media and news stories and it's the URLs already have been like removed for a while like if you put them in and you post it removes them unless you do it a certain way but they're also removing the title of and description so the little preview part that tells you what site it is and what the article is called and what it's about or what the YouTube video is about or that you're going to YouTube that's all gone so you just have an image and there's a little bitty white piece on there that says what site it is but that's it there's not even a click here there's nothing to indicate you should click this so if you're if you weren't looking for it you would just think it's an image that someone posted with their tweet because there's literally no Im information about it whatsoever um the, for what it's worth it looks like he's trying to make it sleek looking you know he he, he says he's doing it for the aesthetics uh. <laughs> um, well, you know, I remember Marissa Mayer at, at Google obsessing over Google's aesthetic, and she sometimes uh, changed things radically after, like, you know, a 23-hour-long meeting, and then changed them back again three or four days later. Uh, so, yeah, you I mean, know, maybe, maybe Musk is being a suddenly poor, poor dude's Twitter. Or, I'm sorry, poor dude's uh, mayor. I guess. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I ever trust the reason that Musk says he does something because we usually find out later that it was another reason. But we'll say that, but it doesn't look any sleeker to me. It looks confusing because now it's like they someone writes their comment on something 
And then there's just an image there. Yeah. A little bitty a little bitty name of the, the company at the bottom on the left side. So unless it's a video, which still does have the click because that comes from the video company. You don't know to click on it. You don't know there's a story there. You don't know what the story is about. You don't know where you're going unless you trust the little name at the bottom. But oh my gosh, what a hacker's delight. Do you remember back a few years ago when they were using acrylic letters to replace mm -hmm. uh, like letters? an A or something? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it wasn't the site you thought it was just looked like it because the letter, letter appeared the same. Um, and so now since you don't have the headline or the po anything about the post, just the name, it'll be super simple for hackers to like, you know, spoof that and fish and do other terrible things. But also it's just confusing. Like you and I do this for a living and it took me a few minutes to figure out what was going on. Like I saw something that looked like it should be an article, but there wasn't an article and I'm like, what? Then I read, of course, he took everything off. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I don't predict. I, I don't know if he'll keep it because he may have alternative reasons for doing it. But I see definitely it's going to decrease, decrease engagement, decrease clicks. It'll probably decrease people coming to the site because people go to Twitter for news and breaking news and information and, you know, facts from people that you know do them and whether it's journalists or scientists or celebrities or whatever it happens to be. And since now you have no idea what anything's about. You don't even know you want to bother click on it. So why come to Twitter? Yeah, Twitter had had become the world's de facto town square. Um, I've been avoiding Twitter for a long time. It's been a toxic environment for a very long time. But in the last year, um, it's 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 become, um, an I'd say extremely um, toxic environment in in some cases. Um, in many cases, it's still, and for many people, it's still a uh, extraordinary communications platform. But it seems that everything Musk has done has turned to sausage, to uh, uh, steal uh, Logan's phrase, um, Logan Roy's phrase. It's just, you know, the, the, everything Musk has touched has somehow tarnished. Um, he decided to remove, you know, verification and then put verification back in. Um, the $8 charge didn't work out and certainly isn't paying the bills. Um, every time Musk has made a change to Twitter or stated intention, it just hasn't actually seemed to go that way. And now a, um, document that's in, in public record, it was a part of, part of, uh, 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 the court, uh, a court case, um, suggests, um, days before Musk was finally forced into buying Twitter, he was given sort of a roadmap playbook on how to, um, destroy it. And, um, you know, so people, oh, sorry, to have been so followed. People... It does, yeah. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just going to say, so people know, this is from a court record, and the current court case he's in, um, which, by the way, we found out today, he has to go. He has to face the people, the shareholders, for not announcing he bought more than five percent of Twitter at the time, because you have to do that when you buy more than five percent of the shares. Mm -hmm. So he's going to court for that, and I, I don't know if this is part of that case, but it's part of one of the cases, and so yeah, so. Apparently, there is somebody, and they have not been able to find out who the person is yet because it's redacted in the um, court documents, who tweeted him three times 
and included this article from a site called Revolver uh, that didn't have an author's name that outlined how, what he should do, take it over, how he should destroy it, that he should go against the ADL. Like a lot of the things that are in here, he has followed to a T. Uh, so it's quite interesting. Now the reporter, um, uh, Ben Collins from NBC, who, who was given this information about the document, he is trying to find out who the tweeter, or the tweeter, sounds tweeter, the texter was who sent this information to Musk. So we don't know who sent it. We don't even know who wrote the article, but it is on a site um, known for things like white supremacy and far right extremism. Um, indeed, the uh, the website itself is run is uh, run by Darren Beatty, a uh, far right blogger and former uh, Trump White House speechwriter, was um, fired in uh, twenty eighteen for um, well trying to get away with being Nazi adjacent. He uh, sat on a panel alongside a number of other white nationalists and, you know, did this in public. So he got fired from the White House, opens a website uh, revol called Revolver, and um, on this uh, site is published the um, an article, The Battle of the Century, what happens if um, Elon Musk buys Twitter. Uh, they do mention um, that he should go um, after the Anti-Defamation League, um, which is a, a NPO, a nonprofit organization um, founded by Jewish Americans to counter anti-Semitism. But the byline of the article calls it a declaration of war against the globalist American empire. And uh, a, yeah. a globalist is, is Nazi code for Jew. Yeah, it's an anti-Semitic phrase. Anytime you hear someone say globalist, that's what they're referring to. They're trying to sneak it in. So maybe regular people don't know that they're being anti-Semitic, but it is anti-Semitic for sure. And so is this this article. Um, it's also anti-everything not extreme right. Uh, but it is very interesting that it appears that he has followed a lot of what was he should do. There was like a four-step plan uh, in this article on what Step he should one. do. Blame the platform for its users. Step two, coordinate pressure campaigns. Step three, exodus of the blue checks. Step four, deplatforming. Um, through the process, um, and over the course of a year, because it was just a year ago, I think a year ago this week, he, the, the the takeover of Twitter was forced. Um, Gosh, it feels so much longer, doesn't it? It does. It um, feels like it's been years, not a year. Uh, so yeah, you're right, and and. Uh, it is interesting, and, and from my own personal view, I have been saying that he bought it to destroy it since before he bought it, you know, when he was thinking of it. Um, so I, it, it's just confirming what I believe to be true. I had just some little things that told me that it could be from news articles, but I didn't know for a fact. But it does look like, because this is in the court documents and its text messages were sent referring to this article, uh, that should be a plan for Twitter. And it's been fairly followed that it seems like it was a plan for Twitter. It doesn't seem like it was just an accident that they just coincide, you know. Okay, uh, so Musk buys Twitter for something around $44 billion about a year ago, right? Yes. Along the way, he, he bought blocks of shares to um, flex his muscles. And uh, in one case, um, he bought a 9.2% stake in uh, April 22, 2022. Um but uh, 
he didn't disclose the purchase for for eleven days. And the he didn't. Safe, he didn't per, not the purchase, but the share purchases. Yeah. Saving himself two hundred million dollars. Yes. That was illegal. It was against because, SEC law. That was illegal. It was against SEC laws. Because he did this, he is now facing lawsuits. One that you mentioned a few, a few moments ago, um, where these documents came from. Um, <laughs> again, everything Musk does or touches, he's like he's like the Trump of the tech world. Everything he touches <laughs> seems to somehow go wrong. And even in the quest to save himself $200 million, breaking a long, long way to do it, um, which incidentally, when we're talking about billions and billions and billions, um, 200, actually 200 million is still a huge chunk of change. Um, it's a fifth of a billion, don't you know? He, you know, set up a, a hurdle for himself that looks like it may well trip him and cause him to fall over. Yeah. Well, also the brand value this like a week ago, well, not the brand value, the actual value, it was 15 billion around. 13 to 15 billion, the brand value, when you, when you change it to X, dropped to 5 billion by some estimates. And then now the banks that gave him the big <laughs> loan, or big loan for this Twitter buy, I think, I don't remember exactly how much it is. It's somewhere between 12 and 14 billion. He has to make a payment every four, three months, four, three 300 months. 300 million every, every three months, 300 and million. He, and if he misses a payment, they can immediately take over Twitter. The banks can. There's 12 or 13 of them. Um, but they're getting nervous. Oh, I understand it. Now I understand the strategy. Make the thing so horrible that even the banks don't want it. <laughs> That's be, it. Oh, and he can do so anything. Morgan Stanley apparently is leading this concern. And uh, it was $12.5 billion in debt financing to fund the $44 billion acquisition in 2022. So the banks are getting nervous, which could be really bad for Musk because... Um, I know if he misses a payment, they can immediately recall the loan, which he doesn't have the money to pay. So he would have to give over Twitter. But I don't know what they can do in between. But yeah. they're they're not they're definitely not happy because apparently, um, the official, according to Reuters, uh, the official worth is eight billion. What? So yeah, eight billion. Eight billion. Yeah, it's between eight and fifteen billion. Eight, bill, eight to fifteen billion. Yeah. I mean, fifteen billion. When you said fifteen billion, I was going to say what, but I figured I'd just go with it. He's yeah. reduced the value of the thing. I mean, it wasn't worth forty-four when he bought it. It might have been worth what twenty-five or something when he yeah, bought it. It was twenty-four to twenty-six somewhere now. So, like, let's say he even reduced it by ten billion in a year. That's still a staggering, staggering amount given staggering. The, the, the value of of of, of property, right? And then, yeah, and then the advertisers don't advertise, although, and this is an our story list, so Jim, so if you don't know about this, it's okay. Um, Google ads has made a deal with Twitter to help supply their advertising platform. Yeah. Now, lucky for uh, listeners, there's a way you can not uh, yes, you can you block can, uh, avoid um, having, to, having to do this. Um, uh, what would you type into Google? Um, uh, block, uh, block um, AdWords URLs. Uh, you'll go to a yeah, Google support and page and um, follow the instructions. You don't have to give your and, ad and, content to Twitter. And so people are aware because maybe people don't tune in every week or they don't know that much about Twitter because they don't use it that much. Um, the, the issue with Twitter isn't just like 
advertisers don't like Musk. The issue with Twitter is advertisers don't like being put next to Nazis, literal Nazis, who must clap back on the platform. So he let accounts that were literally banned for promoting Nazism and anti-Semitism back on the account, uh, back on the site, and sites were show, site ads were showing up. Like you don't want to be, you know, Nike and show up next to an anti-Semite making an anti-Semitic post that won't be removed by Twitter, which they don't get removed by Twitter. We found out in a study last week how little they get removed by Twitter. It's the most offensive platform out there, according to researchers. So that's what's the problem. That's why he lost 50% of his advertisers or more. He might be down to 80% or something now. So, so the fact that Google Ads is not going to supplement, I don't know. I'm going to block it. I, I feel that's a little bit of a more than just a financial deal. It feels a little more like a, like a moral, moral issue maybe, but that's my opinion. So. And it's a Google Ads help page. And if you, uh, if you type specifically, exclude specific web pages and videos, Google Ads into Google, you'll be taken to a Google Ads help page that um, it's just quite, it's actually, it's quite short and it outlines um, in 12 steps how to exclude uh, specific URLs, including um, x.com from, uh, from your ad stream. Yeah, and, and personally, I'm definitely going to do it because I don't I mean, I still use Twitter for certain reasons that I need professionally and for other things that I'm working on privately, but um, if I didn't need it for those reasons, I would have been off the platform because of the issues with hate speech and just general hate on Twitter. You know, if you if you if you jump off Twitter, what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go? Mastodon, no. um, threads. Well, that's the hard part. Um, Our industry was all on Twitter, and I could learn from people every day and talk to people every day. And now we're all split up everywhere. So, so there's nothing that's taken over. If you go to if you go to like like you know even even back to Facebook, you mightn't be confronted with as much like outright hate, but you're gonna see lewd, rude, and occasionally nude content. Um, at least if you stickers. use Facebook Messenger and stickers in Facebook Messengers, because, yeah, they're doing this, this AI weirdness. <laughs> um, and I'm not exactly sure how they're generating uh, a uh, sticker. You give, you know, give it a couple of keywords, and give you, <laughs> it'll give you a new prime minister. But, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to have a lot of um, uh, guardrails right now, because you can actually generate um, nude image stickers and send them around. Karl Marx's yeah, my, boobs. There my, you go. My, my favorite um, quote from The Verge who wrote about this was, other examples show that Meta's AI sticker tool will also happily slap a pair of breasts onto, well, just about anything, judged by the busty images of Sonic the Hedgehog and Karl Marx. Yeah. 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 So apparently, um, if you get kids, uh, you may want to check their stickers because <laughs> apparently you can make lots of pictures of lots of things that are uh, can be lewd, rude, and crude. So... Just so they don't get in trouble, you know, with their friends or something. Um, yeah, so they do block certain words, some words, weird what words. A, what a way to find your kids becoming a communist. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't just do boobs. They do the male parts, too. But I don't know what we're allowed to say on the air, so I won't say it, the, the name. But Oh, we can, so, um, we can totally say uh, Justin Trudeau's penis on air. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> absolutely. We can totally say uh, will you, that. Will you put that in the summary? <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah, there, 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 there is an image of a cartoon of a naked cartoon um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, um, and terrifyingly, there it's not long. There's going to be one of uh, President Biden and likely one of former President Trump. So you know, just wait. Yeah, well, and and you can't directly type in the word. Apparently, it's a typo that allows you around the restricted words. But that's the big problem with um, 
protecting against language model driven AI, right? Because, because if you don't protect against every variation of every way somebody can say something, then you can make it do it. And so in yep. this case, you just have to mistype. Um, I don't know what the typo is for penis, but apparently you can put in a typo for penis and get it to do penis stickers all over your, your Facebook messenger. So uh, kids will have a field day with this. It'll be very lots of giggling in, in class, I'm sure, where they laugh phones. A little more frightening. I mean, this is that that that's that this is that stupid frightening. This is a yeah, little more real frightening. Um, so apparently, um, the snake has finally has finally has actually eaten its tail. It didn't take very long at all. Uh, um, chatbot hallucinations got made their way into. Um, Microsoft Bing search and their uh, SGE, yeah, and and into into Google SGE. Okay, no, no, not Google SGE, just the Bing. Oh, I didn't into, know into Bing. Bing. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah, um, Bing chat, the Bing version of it. Sorry, it's my fault. Because you know somebody took output from uh, Bing chat, put it up on a web page, and it got spattered, included in an index, and included in Bing chat. So it's really boring thing which is put in there. So there is. I mean, for most of us, not for mathematicians, but, but there happened. was Claude, Claude Shannon is a brilliant mathematician and engineer, and he did a lot of work in information theory in the 40s. So Bing's search engine informed the writer of the article um, that, uh, of, of a research paper that Shannon supposedly wrote, a short history of search, a seminal work in the field of computer science outlining the history of search algorithms and their evolution over time. And they even put in, in 1948, right? Yeah, exactly. But but there's just a big problem. He did not actually write the paper. So so somebody who had seen uh, seen this issue in chat posted it, and then it became a factual thing in chat later. So caused Bing to offer it up as a fact when it was a completely made up thing by the large language model. So I just think that's interesting. So. Now so it, it does seem you can feed, feed. I bet, I bet the place you're going to find where all this gets used very quickly when people hear about it will be the affiliate market world, affiliate marketing world. But you can feed the Bing Chat engine. I don't know if you can feed the Google one the same way because I'm still not convinced from what I've read and know that Google's using a pure LLM chat model. I think they're using existing things like featured snippets and rewriting them. Because they have exact quotes that are being pulled out of their SGE. But Bing Chat, apparently, you can feed the beast or the snake and let it eat its tail. Well, indeed, you can. But again, remember, um, if you take output from um, ChatGPT or from uh, 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 Search Generative Experience, uh, um, SGE, you... Um, Take it, throw it up on a blog, throw it up on a web page, throw it up on something that can get spidered, and then put into the the, the general index. Why not? Oh, uh, Wired apparently did it. I did just saw at the bottom of the article. I was just reviewing it while you were talking, and uh, apparently they got something in there that said, to summarize Will Knight's article, Google's secret AI project that uses cat brains. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you see that, people. In your searches, Google did not create an, an algorithm that uses cat brains. What it did is it did create one that recognized cats on YouTube a few, few years back. But so. if, if, if you do want to believe they're using cat brains, this explains why all that kitty litter is being taken to your children's schools. <laughs> now you have an answer. 
But by the way, apparently this happens because of data voids in search. So if they want to fill the data void and that's how these things get pulled in. But um, not that there's a lot of data voids, but there's, I think I heard today from Mike Grant, 70 trillion documents at Google now. 70 trillion documents. Uh, <laughs> 70 trillion. And you don't think they want to get rid of your AI? I'm sorry. That's a different topic for a different well, but, and hold it. And you think that your crap ass content um, <laughs> ought, to get, ought to get published? Yeah, um, I'm talking. Thing. I'm talking to you, real estate, uh, uh, St. Louis. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so um, so quite interesting that the hallucinations are poisoning web search, and then we already know that there's they're facing a problem of running out of things to train on, and they're going to be training on things that are generated by AI, which causes a whole deterioration of what it can do. So it's going to be interesting next year. This time, I bet they're going to see a lot of stories on things like this. Um, again, the snake eats its tail. I just, honest to goodness, didn't think it would uh, happen it so tail. quickly. I didn't either, but it eats its tail while on shrooms. You know, because it's hallucinating. Well, at least it's enjoying the experience. <laughs> um, now, if you're about to get into, you know, some pretty trippy or actually some pretty uh, phenomenal um, image creation. Have you, have you seen what, what Barry Schwartz is doing with... Um, with 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 uh, Dolly uh, image chat uh, the AI created images at at uh, SE Roundtable. Yes, those the new ones because he used to use Midjourney, didn't he? Uh, Dolly three is here, which is apparently the um, we're going to be the one of the the the, the 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 um strongest AI image generator out there. What? One of the big things it does that the other ones have a lot of problems with is it puts the real words you ask it to put into the image as the real words. So when you put like Google, it doesn't come out like geo something, something else, something. So, um, and then also it's much more detailed in the images. I think people should really listen to our last week. If you want to know how image creation happens with AI, when we interviewed Eric, um, because it is fascinating because you think they create images, but they don't. They subtract from the block of Gaussian blur and they create it from all the ones that they've trained on. So it's very fascinating. So, but DALI 3 is the big leap forward apparently in the ability to create images. But Midjourney is so easy to use. So we'll see if people move over to DALI 3 because I can just go on Discord right now and create images all day long while I sit here and do work. And it's not quite as easy to do that. And they've also incorporated it into Microsoft Image Creator, if you have that. And, and their AI suite has uh, DALI 3. Okay, this one's hard. This is gonna be a really tough one to cover. Um, the Google Ads um, controversy, uh, where Google, Google is actively changing uh, queries and, um, well, probably costing advertisers um, a couple of pennies here and there at a scale unimaginable. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to know for sure because we don't have confirmation that they did it, but we do have confirmation it was asked because it's an email in a Department of Justice case against Google for antitrust issues that was leaked as part of the investigation. Yeah, I think again, the, the absolute safest thing to say is one side of the office said to the other side of the office, we really ought to do this. There is a degree of evidence that they went ahead and maybe did it. 
but um it's there's absolutely no question whatsoever that um vice president of google ads jerry dishler sent an email to um making sure sent an email to uh andy saberwall um who is i'm sorry i don't know saberwall's uh, uh position but is also at google ads um asking if um it would be good to uh inject um and change subtly change um queries to draw ads that had higher adword bids um now my first reaction and i guess i guess is again like what, 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 what this is a company that measures its revenues in the tens of hundred and hundreds of billions. What could this do? Like a, a couple, a couple hundred million here and there. Don't know. Well, first of all, he was trying to meet revenue for the street as part of that email because he was afraid they weren't going to hit and they were going to mm-hmm. get down downvalued. So I don't know what that would mean for them. That could be a few hundred million, but um, apparently, if you read the Twitter thread about this from people who do AdWords. Uh, to add li- liaison at Google. Oh, that's if... Danny Sullivan, by the way. No, no, Dan- I add liaison. Oh, sorry, add, add, sorry. That, that, that's Ginny Maven, sorry. Yeah, um... uh, yeah, Ginny yeah. Um, Maven, yeah. So um, apparently people quoted from Google's own AdWords documentation that uh, when Enter uses a search on Google, the system interprets their input using information like spell corrections, synonyms, and related concepts to form the retrieval query. Then that retrieval query is used to retrieve all potentially relevant keywords that are enabled to serve. That is directly from Google Ads developer doc. And so that kind of sounds like they do it. And then um, the system checks for eligibility based on keyword match type. And the system prioritizes prioritizes eligible keywords that are identical to the search term, but they can use other terms. So it's not, that doesn't sound very good. We don't have proof, but um, I do wonder if you could packet sniff on the way out to see if it did it. But um, but anyway, but yeah, but there are actual words in their own documentation that sounds like they do that. And, you know, it may not sound like a big thing, but, you know, I know like in legal, the legal world, you can pay $1,000 for a click on certain kinds of um, cases. So, you know, if you change the change the word to bring up ads about like uh, whatever, like the Camp uh, Lejeune water issue. You know, I don't know what they're doing for search terms for that, but there's a lot of them around that. So, you know, how much more money can you make over how many billions of queries? That that's, goes the mes- ah. that's the mesothelioma of, Thank uh, you. I of this, of, of of this decade. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 uh, and the thing is that um, remember how they've changed Google ads. You, know, you have very little control anymore. It used to be like exact match and you'd put in your phrases and you could exclude things. And now it's broad match. And that's what somebody wrote after somebody posted what Google ads keyword match, how it works. That's the title of the article, how Google ads keyword matching works. The one I just read from um, the person writes after that, he goes, well, that's broad match. That's how it works. So yeah, it's hard to say, you know, 
So, but it does not look good. I mean, the DOJ investigation, they didn't say which one it is, but I'm going to assume it's the antitrust investigation um, that's going on right now. So, case. So, that's just... Well, again, it, 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 it honestly goodness feels like they're looking um, between the couch cushions and, you know, going into every crevice to try to find nickels and dimes and whatever they can. But when you think about the scale upon which this is happening, nickels and dimes add up awfully fast. Well, I can tell you years and years ago, I found, this is a weird thing, but it kind of related. I found that I was looking for uh, how to get my um, visa for China quickly. And an SEO company came up in the search, which was just bizarre. Um, and uh, I had a way to look at the ad related terms that were like being brought up. I forget what the tool was at the time. This is years ago, but it had China in there. And they did China, they did search in China, but they didn't have anything to do with visas. And, um, and so I asked somebody at Google what that could be. And they said they thought maybe the ad team had injected it. So there was a time when they did inject terms. So, well, you know. These emails were uh, sent, sent around the Google sphere uh, back in, um, in May of uh, 2019. This week, when asked about it, um, directly asked about it in um, in Google, there was a, um, a Wired piece, how Google alters search queries to get at your wallet. Uh, they, Wired, went and asked, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Google, uh, Wired went and um, asked, directly in, in, in Twitter or in X, and Danny Sullivan, search liaison, replied simply, we don't. Does Google, uh, Google flat out denies uh, queries and replaces them with uh, ones that monetize better? Again, Danny Sullivan, search liaison, responds on X saying, we don't. So this is the, the difficult part. Um, maybe they don't anymore. Because uh, all, all they answer is we don't, right? Um, <laughs> Not that we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is interesting. There's gonna be a lot more that comes out of this DOJ case and maybe uh we'll have to maybe do an extra piece of you know, an extra show just on this at some point because um there's gonna be a lot more that comes out. But this is an ongoing issue that in the Google antitrust case is that they not only favored their own properties and favored their own um organic search, but and themselves an organic search, but that they might have altered. Uh, revenues on the ad search because uh, or the ad delivery because this isn't the only thing we've reported on uh, with the Google ads being a little a little sus. No, we've you know so. this, for, this is a um, years long thing. Um, it used to be in the display world around the end of uh, end of quarter you would see. Um, both right media and double click on uh, Google's network and Yahoo's networks um, play with the delivery mechanism and the delivery frequency of ads to uh, pump up, pump up the bottom line towards the end of the quarter. And again, they're nickel and diming here and there, but we're talking a scale where um, it adds up so quickly. It's mind blowing. Yeah. So, and, and, and the other thing is that, um, that uh, it, w it wouldn't be in a DOJ case if there was nothing behind it, right? We don't know what for sure that they did it, but they're not going to be bringing this up as evidence in the DOJ case if it's 
they don't have evidence to support that it might have happened. Not to be well, maybe you guys did this and we're going to try to charge you. That's not how you go after a company like Google with its billions of dollars and its millions of dollars put into, you know, lawyers and lobbyists and all that kind of stuff. Things like this don't usually make it to court without substantial evidence. So um, I'm going to assume that we're going to find out a lot more as we go on. So this might get a little confusing, <laughs> but <laughs> the October 2023 helpful content update or September 2023 helpful content update has stopped running. And now the October 2023 spam update is running. Now, if you remember the August 2023 core update, that stopped running sometime in September, but as of this morning, the October 2023 Broadcore update is running. It's running. I'm sorry. I, I We don't know for a fact because, you know, there's so many algorithms that have run, but I don't honestly ever remember two named algorithms by Google running at the exact same time. And literally, we're talking, oh. what, 24 hours apart? 20, oh, yeah, indeed. Started yesterday? And so, the, the spam one, which is targeting, um, uh, uh, seems to be targeting spam in non-English languages. Um, as well. It's also doing English, but yeah, it's expanded. Okay. Um, as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that's what it said. It started, so the, run, it started running yesterday morning and is expected yeah. to run for about two weeks. Um, but again, they announced this morning that the new uh october 2023 broad core update is uh running and uh should last about two weeks <laughs> you know what i have a feeling happened though because most reports from the core update that what finished on september 29th like i mean it's been like when did it finish it, was uh, like... it finished in or in uh september which which one the this the august broad well, core, august core update yeah, when was that? Uh, September seventh, it finished somewhere. Oh, okay, it's a little early longer, September. So. Okay, so a month ago, but but it, it ran like a month ago, but it didn't have a lot of effect. You didn't see a lot of people talking about it, and there wasn't a lot of buried in report on a lot of people, you know, saying that they got just slammed. And the HCU, the helpful content update that ran right after that, a lot of people got hit, especially niche sites. But to run a core update at the same time as a spam update. By the way, I'm just gonna say this personally as an SEO. Google, that's just mean. Like, you take away 70, 80, 90% of people's traffic with updates. So you got to at least give us a fighting chance on figuring out what happened. Well, don't you so like we can to help them late? recover. What's that? Don't you like to stay up late? Ah, it's not that. It's like it's taking so long for them to run updates. I mean, they didn't run updates for like five months this year, right? Five months? So, so... We don't know. Come on, give us a fighting chance on figuring out for these poor site owners who get hit. It's not like it's not like years ago where the sites were like, I'm going to go buy a ton of links and Google goes, oh, we're going to punish you. Yeah, that makes sense. These are like things like I didn't use enough personal experience in my reviews or my, you know, my site's CWVs aren't quite on top or they're not things that a lot of site owners like. No one's doing a lot of things that targets now aren't intentionally done by site owners to like manipulate the algorithms. They're just trying to rank well and they oh. made a mistake or they didn't know something was happening. So to oh. not to run two together is just so mean. Okay, for what it's worth, I'm, I, I, I just I just confirmed the uh, 
October 2023 spam update is targeting. It aims to clean up several types of spam that our community members reported in Turkish, Vietnamese, Indonesian, Hindi, Chinese, and other languages. Um, it's not, it, it, it could be targeting English, but it's not uh, primarily targeting English results. Um, it's going after um, cloaking, hacked, auto-generated uh, content, and scraped content. Uh, we know how your article gets gets repurposed like a jillion times over. Yeah. Um, sometimes it gets purposed, repurposed a gazillion times over in in its English version or badly translated from its English version on websites that um, contain um, content in um, other other languages in Vietnamese, Indonesian, uh, Hindi, or whatever. Um, that's the kind of stuff that Google's targeting with the with the, the spam update. Um, broad core update. Who the heck knows? That's that's bringing you know all the other uh, algorithm updates. That's sort of like stitching them together, sort of, right? Yeah. Well, it's not that they stitch them together. They take all the core ranking signals and they can tweak them. And generally speaking, on ninety percent of the sites I recover from a core update, it's a technical set of issues. Mm -hmm. But it can be content, or it can be. Um, you know, it can be anything in the core ranking signals. So you have to go to the ranking system Google ha has the documentation on now, which, God, oh my gosh, they never had before this year. And uh, you can actually go look up which are considered core ranking systems. And those are, the, those are the ones that are targeted in the core update. I can say for every core update that I've worked on for recovery, I do a lot of recovery. Uh, if the, the core update, so uh, Gary Ish said years ago that they can't tell what a Your Money, Your Life site is. And core updates tend to target Your Money, Your Life sites. But they can tell what a Your Money, Your Life query is. So if you get dropped by the core update, the first thing you should do is go look and see what queries dropped and then look what pages were associated and then go run an audit on those pages and see what issues you find on those pages. Because generally speaking, that is how that is applied. It's not applied at the page level, it's applied at the query level because they know heart attack is your money life query, right? So they're able to determine that through entity structures and neural matching, all that kind of stuff that they do with machine learning. But um, that's the best way to identify your core update issue is find out what pages and what's wrong with them. So like one site I worked on, they had um, an old module on the site that caused the pages to take two minutes to load. And then they had, um, uh, another issue on those same pages, they were all in the same two folders. All the pages that dropped were all in the same two folders. And then once we fixed those, they all came back up within the next core update. So uh, that's what you kind of look for is grouped pages or grouped queries, root queries, not the three, four, five words, but like the root query, the two words. So broad core update is running, started today. It should be done in uh, two weeks. Um, so we expect it to be done. Well, I guess when we go to air two weeks from now, it should be it should be slowing down, petering out. And if it's going to be an effect, you may well have seen it um, start to happen or happen in the in in the week shortly thereafter. Um, as with most core updates, uh, it's probably it may or may not have a huge impact. We don't know yet, um, but um, you may. <laughs> Cross your fingers. This is this is this is two weeks where you uh, can sit on a lottery ticket. <laughs> oh, also, by the way, you could go way up because as the core update comes out, and if you fix things, you yeah. should get a return of your site. Um, also, we should mention real quick on the HCU, the helpful content update. Well, I'm about to app. go there. I'm, I'm absolutely okay, about go. to go there. Well, you go there. 
I'd like that. Um, <laughs> you go there, birthday guy. <laughs> so, okay, so the core update, the broad core update is running. Spam update is running. Um, core update ran in uh, August as well. The biggest one, probably the most impactful one, and one that like you know was was really noted through through the SEO world was the Google Helpful Content update, the HCU that happened uh, in, in in September and uh, completed rolling out on September twenty eighth. Um, lots of websites were uh, were devastated. Um, lots of websites actually did did fairly well. Um, my websites did good, although I can't tell you it was because of helpful. It could well have been because of a whole bunch of technical stuff that got worked on um, over the last six months. It's very, it's honestly hard to tell. Um, but I can tell some pages that did actually have benefited under under helpful. Um, just not site. I can't say site wide. Um, I know I didn't get punished, but a lot of people did. I, I, I'm loving these updates, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, did you see the article by Casey Markey? In, uh, uh, I, I, I read some of it, and then also there's one out by Adam Reamer on how they made their sites more helpful. Um, I'd say two things that we should point out on the HCU that people noticed a change to the ACU guidelines was that they are including page experience and ad experience as part of that. So if your site is like dropped a lot and your site's covered with ads, that's a really good place to start to fix. No. Um, often you gotta uh, it's the ad companies themselves are doing things that break your page yes and they and they know it they just don't care yes they don't care so you got to figure out which ones are messing with you or messing you up and either communicate with them as a developer or drop them yeah, I've had um, I've even had site owners that had long relationships with the uh, ad companies who did get them to do some work, like to speed up things and stuff like that. But the other thing too on ad networks you have to be super careful about is ad networks often get hacked. And so I had a I had a client last December that their homepage was being redirected to another site back to another page on their own site, um, and that is because. Uh, if you don't have a really good ad network, they allow scripts to get run, and those scripts can contain bad things. Like one person I knew at DEF CON could not even be mad at her because it was so brilliant, but just horrible. Um, she could bypass all malware detection and all ad network detection because what she did is when you clicked on something on the page, it took her little script that was benign that the ad company didn't care about, and it go and it would translate one of the words in her script using Google Translate and come back. And that was the word that set off the entire malware. So you do have to be really careful with your ad networks. And you also have to be careful how many ads you put on a page because, um, oh, also, as uh, so Casey noted, uh, one ad network, they were allowing the ad company to hijack the jump button on the page, you know, to jump down on the content on like a blogger recipe site. But also um, just ads per page. Google is very nonspecific. They just say that uh, it shouldn't be more than the, the amount of ads shouldn't be more than the content visually on the page. You know, what exactly does that mean, Google, right? They don't specifically tell you, but they just don't like a lot. And I can also tell you from working with a lot of companies where we reduced like ads from like, they'd like have 12 to 15 on a page thinking that was making them a lot of money and it wasn't. And we drop it to four 
they would make a lot more money because they didn't run their users off the page. Users didn't hit the page and think they were spam. They didn't hit the page and just not want to deal with it. And once you burn those users, they don't come back. Like there's certain sites, I'm sure you know, Jim, you don't go to just because you know the ad load is so terrible. You just don't want to deal with it. So you just find the article somewhere else. You know, so, there's, 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 there is this one site in the industry that I would go to all the time because it's one of those <laughs> indispensable sites. Yeah. And interestingly, after this article that was published in Search Engine Land came out, I noticed, well, actually, and this article in Search Engine Land came out after the helpful content. I noticed that um, it's a lot more tolerable using that website today. You know, the, the one that isn't that isn't Search Engine Land? <laughs> that you one. one I used to write for, and I used to actually Oh, we all wrote them. for them. I used to write for oh. them. We all wrote for them, goodness gracious. But well, I'm just saying, it was so to hard to read them in the last couple yeah. of years. Oh, my goodness. I used to ask them to take the ads off my head. Did I take some of the ads off when I went to read my own articles? I was so annoyed. So, you know, what should you be looking for? I mean, you know, more importantly, you know what? Don't worry about what you should be looking for in ad networks. Worry about what you should be asking yourself when you're thinking about where to put the ad. And this is hokey. I mean, this is totally hokey. And I'm so sorry this is totally hokey, but it's the way it is. Does this help the user? And does it help the user's experience? For instance, you've got a page about, I don't know, blue widgets, whatever those blue widgets are. And it's an important page and the person studying the, 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 the blue widgets is getting information about a product or a service or something important to them. And suddenly this uh, a, a flowover ad for Great Wolf Lodge uh, showing children screaming and running around a pool comes up and I'm suddenly I'm blown away. I'm, I'm, I'm not in my information experience anymore. That's a craptastic ad placement. Yeah, and I just noticed I went to that site and I didn't actually get rid of the ads. I just made a second column on the right hand side. So now oh. I see. Because the other thing you want to also, a lot of times these ad networks. The popovers aren't things. coming up. Do you remember the popovers that came three oh, quarters of the way down the article? They stopped that. No one just came up. Oh, did it? it? Was, it oh, was that's disappointing. Ad. It was an internal ad. It wasn't like an ad ad. But this is uh, interesting. Also, when you look at your ad networks, by the way, people, often they just repeat the same ad over and over and over and over yeah, and over and over again. I've seen that too. So that's, that's not, not helpful. helpful. No, no one wants to see the same ad like eight times. So, but it also, also increases your page load. It kills your CWVs. It's like, try doing four ads. Just try four. And you'll notice you'll, over time, increase your revenues because people... Google likes your site better. People like your site better. That means you get more visibility in Google. You get higher visibility in Google. You get more people coming to your page and more people coming back. Um, so massive ads is like the short thinking. Like, I'll just get a lot of money quick. But actually, if you reduce your ads, you actually get a lot more money long term. And I've done this on major publications. So, so I've seen it. No, it's, it's unquestionable. If, it's, if people want to use the site more, yeah. you'll get more users, thus more impressions. Um, and uh, you know you'll get you'll get people staying on page longer, probably going to other pages again, thus more impressions. You think, um, say you got four ads on a page. If you got somebody willing to go to three pages in your website, that's better than somebody who comes to one page and goes away after seeing eight ads. Because now I've I, now I've seen twelve of them and enjoyed my experience. Exactly, and don't and also like the one I'm looking at now, the one we were talking about. They have like five ads in the content that are all advertisements for their own site. Yeah, I mean, well, that's actually kind of desperate. It's, that's sort of like saying your your uh, your ad here. 
Um, it is basically that's the equivalent that's of saying you're ahead here. It is what it's saying. It's like subscribe and add, get ads. But, um, this anyway, brought but to you by Webmaster Radio. On, on the HCU, they have added this page experience and the ad experience as part of the HCU now. So people need to be aware of that because I don't believe it was there. That, I think it was added pretty recently. Well, well here's the thing. For, for over a year, this show has been saying helpful content isn't necessarily what you think it is. The word helpful and the word content aren't necessarily what you think they are. It means more than um, easy to read or gloms and gloms and gloms of content. Um, it's about um, veracity, giving you know honest, experienced, uh, truthful version of, of 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 whatever it is. But it's also about user experience and uh, getting the user from A to B to C to D to decision point or exit point um, in a way that gives them a satisfactory experience and then you know um and it's also about your your what your core web vitals like is this page loading quickly is it um jumping around it does it present a danger to the user while they're trying to fill in a form all those things go into is your content helpful or not yeah and uh and uh can, I, can I mention now that probably not useful content is obituary spam Oh yeah, you can. I mean, this is just I get you, you cover this one. It just pisses me off. Okay, so this affected someone in the industry. Yeah. If you don't know Chris Silversmith, his brother-in-law died. Um, I believe it was just last week. Yeah, which is just horribly sad story. But Chris noticed that when his brother-in-law's name came up, all these obituary sites, memorial sites, you know, come here things were showing up for his brother's name, his brother-in-law's name. So apparently now there is obituary spam, which is when someone dies, a bunch of these sites to try to get you to create a memorial and pay them on their sites are showing up for the person's name. Um, and he made he made it aware, he made John aware of it. Um, so my guess is Google will probably do something ab about that because it's just such a horrible thing to do. Yeah, um, and I hope they do it really quickly. Um, I'm sorry. He made uh, he made Danny aware, not John aware. But yeah, okay. yeah, that's just I do too, because that's just a horrible thing. And like your family member dies, and all of a sudden you see their name everywhere on fake sites or sites just trying to get money. That's just well, and, and, really you, bad. and you have to you have to take control of their reputation before somebody else does. That's 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 what they're selling you. That's true. Yeah, that's and, actually and a very good it's point. It's a terrible, terrible uh, decision you have to make. Um, you know, you, you see an empty obituary for your for 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 your wife or your husband, like nobody. And, 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 and it's a terror. This just makes me so angry. It does, and apparently, um, it was reported to Danny um, back uh, when Bill Swasty died. Swasty did. Um, it was a problem then too, but apparently, it's gotten much worse. So, and if you're participating in obituary spam, you just don't. It's just such a cruel thing to do to people. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So anyway. Um, I just figured while we're talking about spam and updates, it'd just be a good time to make people aware of that. Just don't do that. It's bad. And also, and by the, all, all love from, uh, from from me and Christine and the whole WMR yeah. family to, to, to Chris and his family. Yeah, that's just so sad. It apparently happened Friday, so very, very recently. So... So anyway, now how do we how do we move on from that? Well, That's a hard one. To move on well, from luckily, that. we're very close to the end of the show, so um, are, yeah. Let's go to a, let's go to a little bit of a more fun one. Um, uh, John Mueller, um, high index, high quality pages. 
can be crawled and not indexed uh, by Google search. Now, what the heck? You've just made a really, really, really good web page that does everything Google wants it to and is not getting What's the deal here? You know, John didn't give us a lot of information. All he said was a page can be of high quality and still not indexed. It's not guaranteed. Pushing it through tools that guarantee to index it doesn't necessarily do anything. So he just said there's a lot of good and also questionable stuff on the web, shrug. So you can have some really good pages alongside some really craptastic pages. And in some cases, we know that, that helpful content is a site-wide penalty. So if you have some really craptastic pages, pages that just eat Google resources, remember Core Web Vitals isn't a page by page by page thing. It's a collection of pages thing. So you yes. get like an average of what pages look like. So you got this great content and it's loading fast and you, 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 you run the URL through um, uh, Web Dev or through uh, uh, PageSpeed Insights or something and you get back like, you know, wonderful scores, but you're still in the doghouse. What the heck, right? Well, um, and, and could be I was other looking... stuff around that page, not that page itself. You're exactly right, because I was looking through the Twitter thread just to see if he did say anything. And I had missed that he did say that there are other pages on the site that could be low value, um, even if some are high value. And that's not a binary thing. There's a lot of room between awesome and awful. And some sites have pages that tether on the edge, and some sites in aggregate are on the edge. So Helpful Content Update is a constantly running machine learning algorithm. It has updates. But it's also constantly running. So we don't know that it's not constantly running and maybe doing this because I'm not saying it's doing this, but it could be doing this, but something's doing this. Where if you have a lot of craptastic pages, like Jim just said, and you have some good pages, Google's not going to be inclined to surface you because you have a lot of craptastic pages, whether it's uh, bad content or bad user experience or bad page load or whatever it happens to be. And the helpful content update, rank, or the helpful content ranking system, I shouldn't say the update, the ranking system is site-wide and it devalues the site on the whole based on how much of the site is not helpful. So they definitely could have algorithms that don't surface pages that are good quality just because they're around a lot of bad quality. So that I, definitely I, makes sense. I want to say you this are, to, to webmasters and to and to Google at the same time. And then you're you're both kind of on opposite sides of the teeter totter here. But the fulcrum point's the same. Some of these websites have three or four or five million URLs in them. And these are just pages. Like I'm not even talking about like, you know, URLs, the, the machinery URLs that make things happen. These are just pages in a website, three or four or five million. So there's no way that even the most studious shopkeeper knows what's happening in the deepest and darkest corners of their yes. website. It's, it's, it's yes. inconceivable. That's why you have to have audits because not to sell my own services. I got, not, e I got this one e-com client, Christine. I've been working with them for four and a half years now. Four and a half years. Longest I've ever had a steady client. And there are parts of their website I'm still discovering. I'm not kidding you, but the site is like just gargantuan. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and sometimes they do bonehead things and create new sections for me to discover. But I discovered something the other day that's been there all along and I never seen it before. Well, and you know, I, I do a full, I do a full site on it. A lot of people don't, I actually crawl every page on a website. There's only one site ever. I couldn't fully crawl. 
And and the reason I do that is because you never know where there's a weird anomaly going to be that it, there may be a hundred thousand out of a million pages, but that's significant, right? So um, yeah, definitely on large websites. I worked with one for five years where all we did were technical fixes for five years because they kept creating new ones or their ad network created a new one or something created a new one. And, and so when you have sites that big, you definitely need to get them audited because there's no way your team is going to know what's going on. You need like an individual who is just looking at your entire website and helping you fix everything. And those fixes can take a long time. So, so. webmasters and store owners, that's what you got to do. But Google, you know this website. You've got this, the structure of it in your massive positronic mind. You know what this looks like, absolutely. And you know where the Deadwood is. You could, in some cases, just cut it off. You know what I mean? Like, just let it go. Don't worry about it holding back the rest of the website. Just don't spider it. You don't need to go there, and you know that. <laughs> so just a suggestion, because in some cases, like, there's, I, there, I, I know of a team of, like, 60, 60 people who can't keep up with a massive econ site. Um, yeah, you have to be <laughs> keeping up with it every day. I mean, even, like, I worked on a site that had, this also included a hacking issue, but XSS vulnerability on the site, right? That created a whole bunch of SEO issues. That had been on the site for 20 years. They were cited by the Department of Justice four years before I started. They still hadn't fixed it because it just slipped through the cracks because the teams changed and somebody forgot and nobody noticed. And then they, I discovered that they'd been hacked again and then they fixed it. But it had been on the site for 20 years. As a vulnerability, they were actually cited by the Department of Justice well, uh, for... My point yeah. with Google is they know that there's whole sections of websites that are old and under maintained, and, and often those are, those are what drags uh, what drag websites down, um, like some old template that hasn't been updated since the Stone Age. Um, like that happens. Google, let it go. Just sever that from the rest of the website in your mind. You can do that. Don't yeah, ever I've, spider I've... it again. You can choose to do that. And actually, they, they do. But we, we have had this discussion before, and I do think it's a good time to bring it up again. I do think that unless someone's intentionally manipulating algorithms to rank better, Google really should reduce the severity of the devaluations because 80 to 90% puts people out of business. Like, you can still make the same point, Google, with like a 40% drop because you're Maybe your content wasn't helpful, but the helpful oh. content updates that people are showing us, they dropped off a cliff. They're down 90%. And I think we're past the point where people should be losing 90% of their organic traffic because like they have too many ads on their page. Like, like Although, or again, they don't, Google doesn't like that. Don't crawl it. Don't index it. Don't show it. That's fine. But again, don't take them down 90%. In Google's own, in Google's defense for what it's worth, um, Earlier in the show, you said some bizarre figure like 70 trillion unique oh. documents in the index. Yes. Do we really need three or four or 500,000 pages on like uh, Neapolitan ice cream? No, we but don't. I'm saying. We only, we only need two 2,000 pages on Neapolitan ice cream. But the people dropping 90% were ranking well for Neapolitan ice cream. Well, sure. Not dropping 90% because they were on page six, right, or 60th down. So I'm just saying, I just think it's just the hill I'm going to die on. That Google, like, if it's something that they're literally doing, like buying links, okay, you know, that's against your terms of service. I mean, it's just a tactic, but you want to punish that severely. I have no issue with that. 
except that in the last penguin took two years apart. That's a different story. But I just to think they can stop dropping sites like for the helpful content update, which is a really vague thing. They don't they have to transfer what Google has to translate what helpful means into numbers and math and processes that they write into algorithms. They know what it means. But they don't tell us what it means. They're just like, you know, just use helpful and experience and blah, blah, blah. And that's not helpful to the person that just lost 90% of their traffic, has a sole business by themselves, who are living off that money. And I just think that Google no, no, that, really no, should no be argument, less severe. Yeah, no argument here. Google's a giant stomping through the grape field on its, on its yeah. way to make wine. And um, you know what Matt Cutts used to do? Do you remember this? What Matt Cutts used to do? is He used to pick a big site, very big site. And they'd hit that site. And that site would recover pretty quickly. But they'd hit that site and everyone, oh, oh, wow, BMW got hit for white on white text. We won't do that anymore. And then that tactic stopped, right? For the most part, that tactic stopped when they hit BMW because they're, they're going to hit BMW. Well, um, yeah, but, but you, you remember you remember what also they also did for BMW just a couple of days later? Oh, they helped them come right back up, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. You yeah, know. yeah. They helped them. But, but at least they picked like one site. You could look at that site. You knew what happened. So you could figure out why your site. Now it's just like, oh, we hit. On the HCU, the entire site and the penalty, well, I shouldn't say penalty, but devaluation is as much as we decided as many pages are not helpful, but I don't want to tell you what helpful means. It's just kind of know. an amorphous thing in the air. I but you, know. who, you who lost all your traffic and are figuring out how you're going to pay your mortgage, because a lot of times it's the small business owners that get hit yes. the worst because they can't afford SEOs. So I'm just saying, I just think that the penalties, the devaluations could be just less severe. That's all. They should still be significant, 40%, 50%. Just not ninety percent. Last week, all the ones I saw were like eighty and ninety percent again. Again, in some ways, I'm inclined to agree. In others, you know, it's just it's a it's an awful jungle. It is, That's, but that is why I, I, I don't know how I don't know how to tame the I don't know how to tame the awful jungle. Is it's the point I'm trying to get at? When Google wants to make a sweeping change, it sometimes just has to um saw a limb off and you know just just peel the bandage off and. The only the problem I got is the time it takes, like it Better. could take a month, two months, three months to recover. That's a bit of a problem. Um, but more. that's um, eventually helpful. Will become Everturn. Will become just part of the ebb and flow of Google. And uh, then recovery should happen faster. But right now, it might take days or months, weeks, months to recover, and that that hurts. Yeah, well, and we didn't run any updates. How long was it that we ran updates? Like, it wasn't anything since April or March or April this year until now, until the August, September. I would, yeah, but once Google's done this, you, you kind of expect them to um, okay. run this so we over had, and over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we had a core update in March, and then we didn't have April, May, June, July, August. We had five months without another update. So if you were down, there's no, there's no coming back until the court. I mean, yeah, Google says you can recover a little in between because that's just if they tweak things in between. Well, this is on, this, I'm, I'm thinking about helpful though. If they, if they, if when helpful becomes Everturn, um, yeah. Well, I think that'll be a different I, time. I could be wrong. I think helpful content is already Everturn, but the updates are when they make significant changes to it. I could be wrong though because I'm just remembering from what they said when they originally rolled out. I don't know if they changed it. But uh, yeah. So oh, by the way, apparently. No, that's not now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so the core updates, now they ran a month apart or a month and a half apart. So that's different. But they did go five months without an update. That's kind of long. Product review update. Again, nothing since April. So, you know, we're talking now six months for reviews. So that's a pretty long time without an update. So anyway, just a personal 
feelings today on updates. I didn't get hit by any of the ones that came out. I was hoping for some recoveries that didn't happen, but uh, I don't know that which what they were hit by because they were hit so many times. So they might be just waiting for a different update. You know what they say about sweepy Google updates. That'll keep you up all night. Christmas is coming. Don't worry. You'll get your updates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think that there haven't been a lot of updates because of the Project Gemini that still hasn't rolled out. Um, but Christmas is coming and they have to do the updates before Black Friday. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah like, like three hours before Black Friday. Yeah, <laughs> Just to keep you on your toes. Yeah, unfortunately. Hey, should we Speaking just preview of, no. next week? Oh, do you have another story? Oh, we can preview next week, yes, but we can do no more stories. We have gone yes. full, full, full circle. What's coming up next week? So our first AI, part of our AI series, was uh, uh, Gavin Klondike, who talks all about LLM. So if you go back a few shows, you'll see it. tells you how they work and everything. Uh, and then we have someone who did AI imagery, uh, an instructor from RIT, who also works with uh, AI research. So next week, we're going to ask somebody who likes to break AI. His name, a lot of people in the industry might know him. It's Robert Hansen. Uh, Robert Hansen has uh, been um, on the hacker side of the world. He's on the board of Black Hat and uh, working with cybersecurity. And uh, he works on how the models can be broken. So it'll be a very interesting talk with him next week. Uh, his uh, hacker name was Arsnake for those who know him that way. So. Um, so it'll be it'll be a great show. It'll be very interesting. He's always a great guest, and he a lot of people in the SEO industry know him because he also speaks at SEO conferences. Okay, so that's coming up next week on Webcology. Um, how to how to break the AI model? He's he works on ways to yeah, to, like to test it to break it because you know that's part of cybersecurity right now. There's huge cybersecurity teams at big companies that protect their large language models because they are pretty attackable. So um, he tests how you can break them. So it'll be an interesting conversation with him. Excellent. That'll be, that'll be a good deal of fun. In the meantime, we've gone, again, we've gone, we've gone just over hours. So on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology recorded live to podcast on October the 5th, 2023. Uh, Thank you so much to uh, the studio and uh, to the audience. Um, stay well, rank well, be kind to each other, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.